Hey there, thanks for joining us for today's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you're here. You're about to hear an incredible message from our pastor, Terry Haight. But before we get started, we'd like you to consider partnering with us. Our heart is to spread Jesus' message of hope to the world. If you'd like to sow into that mission, please visit hermesonassembly.com and click the Give button. Thank you so much for your generosity. Now enjoy this message. Acts chapter 13. When you have it, give me a good shout, amen. Amen. When you find it, good deal. I'm reading it out of the message version here this morning, and so, um, but today, the message title of this is called Fearless Advancement. Fearless Advancement. Making advances. How many of you know that God's kingdom is always advancing? It's always growing. It's thriving. It's living. Uh, it's his desire. And how does it thrive and live? It thrives and lives as we see new believers coming into the kingdom. We see new believers coming into the family, and they themselves are growing, and they themselves are sharing the good news of Jesus. And, and I tell you what, I'm excited since our pursuit weekend. We had 87 come forward to receive Christ that weekend. Uh, we had the following Sunday, 14 people come forward to get baptized in water. And then we've had about eight to 10 people in the last couple weeks coming to our Next Steps class. How many of you know getting, receiving Christ is not the end of it, it's just the beginning? Amen? It's just the beginning of our walk with God. And so, um, and so if you want to join in on that class, I encourage you to come join us every Sunday morning at 9.30. And uh, you can bring a friend with you. Everybody's welcome. And so uh, to be a part of that. So I'm going to read Acts chapter 13 and follow along with me. Begins in verse 1. The congregation in Antioch was blessed with a number of prophets, teachers, prophet preachers, and teachers. Barnabas, Simon, whose nickname was Niger, Lucius the Cyrenian, Minion, an advisor to Herod, in other words, he grew up in Herod's house, and Saul. And one day as they were worshiping God, they were also fasting as they waited for guidance. And the Holy Spirit spoke, saying these words. Take Barnabas and Saul and commission them for the work that I have called them to do. For they com- so they commissioned them in that circle of intensity and obedience, of fasting and prayer. They laid hands on their heads and they sent them off. And sent them off on their new assignment by the Holy, sent off by their new assignment by the Holy Spirit. Barnabas and Saul went down to Cilicia and caught a ship to Cyprus. And the first thing that they did when they put in to Salamis was preach God's word to the Jewish community in, in the Jewish places. And they had John along with them as help as needed. Verse 6, and they traveled the length of the island. And at Patmos, they came upon a, a Jewish wizard who had worked himself into the confidence of the governor, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man not easily taken in by charlatans. But the wizard's name was Bar-Jesus. He was, a, he was as crooked as a corkscrew. Now, that's pretty crooked, isn't it? The governor invited Barnabas and Saul in, wanting to hear God's word firsthand from them. And this, I like this version. This is the title they give Bar-Jesus. They said, but, Miss, but Dr. Know-it-all, the wizard's name in plain English, stirred up a ruckus trying to divert or pervert or divert the governor from becoming a believer. But Saul otherwise known as Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, looking, uh, Holy Spirit and looking him straight in the eye, said, you bag of wind, 
you parody of a devil. Why? You stay up nights inventing schemes to cheat people out of God. But now you've come up against God himself, and your game is up. You're about to go blind. No sunlight for you for a good long stretch. And he was plunged immediately into a shadowy mist and stumbled around, begging people to take his hand and show him the way. Verse 12, and the governor saw what happened, and he became a believer, full of enthusiasm over what they were saying about the master. And from Paphos, Paul and a company put out to sea, sailing to, the, to Perga and Pamphylia, in Pamphylia. And that's where John called it quits and went back to Jerusalem. From Perga, the rest of them traveled on to Antioch and Pisidia. Verse 14, on the Sabbath, they went to the meeting place and took their places. After the reading of the scriptures, God's law and the prophets, the president of the meeting asked them, saying, friends, do you have anything you want to say? A word of encouragement, perhaps? And Paul stood up, paused, and took a deep breath, and then said, fellow Israelites and friends of God, listen. Now jump with me down to verse 42. And when the service was over, and so he preached a message, and when the service was over, Paul and Barnabas were invited back to preach again the next Sabbath. As the meeting broke up, a good many Jews and converts to Judaism went along with Paul and Barnabas, who urged them in long conversations to stick with what they had started, this living in and by God's grace. And when the Sabbath came around again, practically the whole city showed up to hear the word of God. Some of the Jews, seeing the crowds, went wild with jealousy and tore into Paul, contradicting everything he was saying, making an ugly scene. Verse 46, but Paul and Barnabas did not back down. Standing their ground, they said, it was required that God's word be spoken first to you all, the Jews. But seeing that you want no part of it, you've made it quite clear that you have no taste or inclination for eternal life. The door is open to all the outsiders. And we're, on, and we're on our way through it, following orders, doing what God commanded when he said, I have set you up as a light to all nations. You'll proclaim salvation to the four winds and to the seven seas. And when the non-Jewish outsiders heard this, they could hardly believe their good fortune. All who, marked, all who were marked out for real life put their trust in God. They honored God's word by receiving that life. And this message of salvation spread like wildfire throughout all the region. And some of the Jews convinced the most respected men and leading men and women of the town that their precious way of life was about to be destroyed. Alarmed, they turned on Paul and Barnabas and forced them to leave. But Paul and Barnabas shrugged their shoulders and went on to the next town, Iconium, brimming with joy and the Holy Spirit, two happy disciples." And so you need to tell the devil in your life, the gig is up. Do it right with me. Tell, say this with me. Devil, the gig is up. You need to, you need to declare that every, every day when you get up and you find yourself discouraged or uh, had a bad night, you need to just say to the enemy, God says the gig is up. Amen? And so this morning as we get into this word, um, I want to remind you of something. And on this first slide, you'll see here, the Bible is not a history book, it's his story. It's his story. See, throughout this whole, the, one, the, the unseen partner in all of this is God the Holy Spirit. 
We have God the Father who represents holiness. We have God the Son who provided us uh, purity and holiness through giving his life and rising again the third day and taking our place. He makes us holy. And then you've got the Holy Spirit. It's three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit who is that, uh, that, that, that one that now resides in us as believers and reminds us who we are in Christ. Every day, God the Holy Spirit is reminding you, you are God's son. You are God's daughter. You have been given the victory. And so when you look at the book of Luke or the book of Acts written by Luke, uh, who was on this trip as well as an observer, uh, when you read it, realize this, that God the Holy Spirit is orchestrating the very words that's being written. There were a lot of things that happened in the, in the times of the book of Acts, but not every single detail was shared. But what was shared was things that are relevant for us today. And so when, when you read this book, realize this, that it is, it is written and orchestrated and and it put together for you and for me. And so when we talk about advancement here today, this chapter, I love this chapter. It's kind of a playoff of the previous chapter because in the previous chapter, what was the paramount truth we learned? That prayer delivers. That when we pray, things happen. In this one, we're going to see that it was a worship prayer meeting where the first missionaries were sent to take the gospel to places that had never heard. And it was a very significant time in the church. And so when we talk about advancement, think about it this way. There, with, with advancement, there is no room to be neutral. You're either going to take that hill or you're going to die. You're either going to move forward. Let me say it this way. There is no standstill in Jesus. You're either moving forward or you're falling behind. God's always on the move. God is always reaching out. God is always advancing. God is always reaching out to parts that have never heard, people who've never heard his good news or what he did for them. And so we as the church, it's our job to uh, advance, to not ride the fence. Let me say it this way. There are believers that are still trying to make up their minds whether or not they're all in. Are you one of those? That you're, you know... You're not sure if you're all in yet. You're still kind of weighing the, make, wondering if there's a better deal out there. It's kind of when a guy's dating a girl and, and he's looking at engagement. He's thinking, well, am I willing to commit to one person the rest of my life? Maybe there's something out there I'm not, and I'm going to miss out on. And how many times our relationships are broken? How many times are marriages cheated on because someone's holding out? They're not all in. When God gave his only begotten son as our, as our sacrifice, as the one taking our place, he was saying to us, I'm all in. I'm giving you my everything. I'm giving you my son to offer as a sacrifice or to take your place. The once president of Harvard University, Dr. James Conant, he had a little turtle on his desk, a little clay turtle, and under that turtle, uh, it was written these words en engraved on a placard. It said, consider the turtle. He makes progress only when he sticks his neck out. He only makes progress when he sticks his neck out. I love people who are willing to stick their neck out. 
These are people, yeah, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to look foolish. They're going to, they might even be embarrassed here or there. But they are willing to say, Lord, I'll do whatever it takes to be all in. If you want me to do this to show you I'm all in, I'll do this. If you want me to say this, I'll say this. If you want me to carry this out, I'll carry this out. But one thing I want you to know, God, is that I'm all in. How many people do we have that are all in? How many people are willing to stick their neck out for the sake of the gospel? Stick their neck out in hopes that their friend or their family member or their coworker will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's going to take people who are willing. There's a lot of people on the public scene, uh, and I can name some ministers that come to my mind, that they're known for some crazy things, but the thing I love about them is this, is that they're willing to stick their necks out if it will allow Jesus to be seen in their lives. Because how many of you know the Bible says that the world thinks all of this is foolishness? So they already think of you as a fool already. So you have nothing to lose. Amen? You have nothing to lose. They say you go to that church, that church where they get happy and make noise and shout and and praise God and clap hands and get excited about a God in heaven. You go to that church? Yes, I go to that church. And it's the best decision I've ever made. Not just that church, but serving Jesus. Amen? And so... We need to be people who are willing to stick our necks out. The Apostle Paul was one of those men. And so we see here in verses 1 through 3 that to see advancement take place, it began in prayer. The Bible tells us in this story that there were, uh, it was a prayer meeting going on. There were five named prophets and teachers uh, in, the, in, in the prayer meeting, in the worship meeting. Um, they were together. In fact, the Bible says they were actually fasting and praying and worshiping God. They were committing to times of of just adoration to God. A man named A.B. Simpson said this way, prayer is the mighty engine that is to move the missionary work. Prayer is the mighty engine that is to move the missionary work. We would see out of this would come the first missionaries. And so they they named these men, Barnabas, Simon, uh, who's known as Niger, Lucius, Minion, and even Saul, and others were in this worship setting, prayer setting. These uh, men represented areas of checks and balances in the church. I want you to hold up your left hand in front of you. Point at your finger, and I'm gonna, we're going to teach you a quick lesson on the five-fold, the five checks and balances of the church. Number one, there's the, prof, or there's the apostle. Then there's the prophet. Then there's the evangelist. Then there's the pastor, and then there's the teacher. In this passage, we hear that there were prophets and there were teachers. Pastors and teachers are almost synonymous. But they were in the room. They were providing checks and balances when when God would speak. And God would speak during this prayer time. But the apostle, he's he's the only function that can touch the rest of the functions. Because an apostle would be considered a modern-day missionary, someone taking the gospel where it's never been. And so oftentimes, when in the case of the apostle Paul and Barnabas, they were acting as apostles. They were going to communities and places that had never heard about Jesus Christ. They were going to untapped harvest fields. 
And so as a result, they may have to act as a prophet sometime or as an evangelist sometime. Now, the prophet, what is that? That's the pointing finger. The prophet points the way. The prophet foretells things that are about to take place. We need the apostle and we need the prophet in every body or every church. We need the evangelist. Now, the evangelist, that's the, that's the long finger. The evangelist is the far-reaching. He or she is the one that throws the net out into the deep to pull in the fish, to pull in the new believers, to say, hey, have you heard the good news about Jesus Christ? That is the evangelist. Then you have the pastor that comes up alongside. Now, that's the ring finger, the one who marries and the one who buries, right? But he's the one that mentors and and begins to counsel and begins to, uh, and, and of course the, the Bible says that all of these are for the equipping of the, of the church, the equipping of the saints, the believers, to do what? To do the outreach, to do the work of the ministry. And then you have this little guy, the teacher. He's the one or she's the one that can get into those tight little crevices, those tight places in the Bible, and say, you know what, did you discover this little area of the Bible? Do you know what this means? And it begins to give us more of the full counsel, more of, uh, of the full understanding of what God says about and to us. And so we see here that all of these various individuals were in this time of worship. They were just extolling him. They were just exalting him. They were ministering to God, praising him for who he was. How many of you know the purest form of worship is not thanking him for what he has done or thanking him for what he's going to do, but rather thanking him for who he is? If I were to just take out the trash and my wife says, Terry, do you love me? And I say, well, I took out the trash. (laughs) Terry, do you love me? Well, I vacuumed the house. Terry, do you love me? Well, I mow the yard. No. It, like any spouse would want, they would want to know that you love them for who they are. And that's the same way with God. Otherwise, God just becomes the, 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 the butler in our life. Just doing things that we have asked him to do. God, oh, do this. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you take care of this? I got a need here. I got a, I got a concern here. In reality, the deepest form of worship is just worshiping him for who he is. And it is out of that worship that you will discover really what's on his heart. You'll discover who he is, and in the process, you'll discover who you are. That's why our times of worship, like when we have a Sunday morning celebration, our worship time is just as significant as the time in the Word and vice versa. Some of you come for just some of you come just for the worship. Some of you come just for the word. But how many of you know all of it is necessary? We need both the worship and the word. We need to approach God. The Bible says, come into his presence with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. We need both the worship and the word. You can't one without the other will shrivel up and die. It will not last. It will become perverted. It will become dried up. It will become, as some would say, boring. It will become irrelevant. Why? Because you are not engaging with God and allowing him to engage with you. And so we need to know God's heart. 
Think about it this way. They were in prayer. They were fasting. They were just worshiping God. Let me say it this way. As one person said, waiting on the Lord is not passive. It is an act of moving forward. It is an act of advancing. You will get more accomplished in times of prayer and fasting and adoration and getting in his word than, than anything else in your life. You think, well, I ain't got time for that. You don't have, you don't have the option because if you do not, uh, it's like God in the book of Malachi, he says, you've taken something from me. You've taken something that belongs to me. And, and what really belongs to him is our worship, our adoration. He says, because if you don't give me what's mine, what I have I have blessed you, I have provided for you, I've called you. And if you don't give me what's mine, I'll put holes in your pocket. You'll come up short. Not only will you have not a penny in your pocket, but you'll have no, no wise counsel in the day of distress. In the day that you need help or encouragement, you won't have the ability to hear my voice. And so out of their waiting on God came a clear direction to commission Paul and Barnabas as missionaries to go to places that had never heard the word. How many of you know God speaks in real time? There's his word, but then there's those times where, and we see the prophets were present, the teachers were present, I'm sure there were other giftings present, that, that, uh, that there were times, we don't know how it was done exactly, it could have been a word of prophecy. In other words, that God spoke to an individual in the room and, and said, this is what I'm saying to to the church, because it wasn't just for the sake of Paul and Barnabas. It was for the sake of the whole congregation. There are times in your life where uh, you may be, and, and even when the word came out, it wasn't the first time Paul and Barnabas had felt this already. Anytime anybody will walk up to you and say, you know what, I feel like God's telling me this about you. It should always confirm something you already know. In fact, in the context of the scripture here, it was a confirmation of what Paul and Barnabas were already feeling. But God wanted the whole church to know it. God wanted the whole congregation to know it. And so he, in front of everybody, said, in fact, the Bible says the Holy Spirit spoke and said, separate me, in other words, set aside Paul and Barnabas to go and preach the good news to parts unknown. Send them. And so as a family, it is very important that we hear from God. It's very important that God speaks in our midst. It's not just the one-on-one, -on -one, but it's also at times there's that public word given. I love it when I'm in a service or in a, in a, in a gathering where God begins to use an individual to speak a word of prophecy over another individual. It may have nothing to do with me, yet it has everything to do with me. It may be a word for them. It may be a message that God wants to speak to them, but yet all of us are going to get blessed in the process. Because what we're doing is we're all getting behind what God is saying about this person. If, this, if God says this person, I'm commissioning them to do a certain thing, then we all get behind it. It was a corporative sending off. It's not, let me say it this way. This has happened so many times over the years that I've been pastoring, and I know it happens in most any church. It is not healthy for an individual and uh, for, an, for the individual. Um, say, if you were to get, a, if you feel like God's giving you a new assignment, 
It is not healthy for individuals just to say, well, God spoke to my heart. He gave me a new assignment. I'm out of here and then just disappear. Can I say it again? It is never healthy for members of the family. How would you like it if your father went for a cup of coffee and never came back again? That's happened. Well, dad went shopping for groceries and he hadn't been back in two years. How hurtful, how destructive, how, how uh, it leaves you questioning, thinking, well, then, you know, is this the way God works? Is this how he, is this how he deals with his children? No. But every time, and we see here that because Paul and Barnabas, they were first accountable, they were accountable to God, but they were also accountable to that congregation, that church. And so God spoke and said, you know what, I, it's time, I'm going to send these men out. They've been serving your church for a good period of time. They have accomplished what I've sent them here to do. Now I'm giving them a new assignment. Anytime anybody, I love it when a family will come to me and say, hey, pastor, God is uh, opening up a job opportunity, but it's going to take me out of state, or I'm going somewhere else, or, I'm, or there's a ministry opportunity that he's opening up that I believe God's sending us on, that we, the church, would lay hands on them and commission them as it pleases God, the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? These are some practical things when it comes to what comes out of prayer and what comes out of commissioning. Because I believe as a pastor, and we have a Bible college here that we host, I believe that God is calling people, that God is commissioning people, that God has every one of you have a call of God in your life. Some of you have been called to be prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Others of you have been, uh, th those are the, the root ministries, but in those root ministries, you can, on your jobs, God has placed you on a job to speak uh, words of life over your coworkers, to speak words of encouragement, even to prophesy, even to deliver the good news of Jesus. Your job is not there just for a paycheck. Your job is there because you have been commissioned to that mission field. You've been given an assignment. My assignment may look different than your assignment, but it's all coming from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's all being orchestrated. It is his will being carried out. And so we see here that the Spirit's message was directed to the whole assembly, not just one individual. And so... We see here that the church, they laid hands on them and they prayed for them and they sent them out. And then secondly, advancement requires obedience and authority. We see here that pretty much immediately, Paul and Barnabas and a cousin named John Mark were sent off, verse 4, and they went uh, to an island called Cyprus. And so when, when it comes to hearing God's voice and obeying it, you will experience God's power and you will experience God's authority. Amen? Power comes with the encounter with God. Authority comes from the commission from God. You're going to have encounters. When you pray, when I talk, what, was, when you, what do you mean by praying, Pastor? When you spend time conversing with, with God, opening up your Bible, opening up your version Bible app, whatever it is, when you're, when you're reading his words to you and you're saying, God, what does this mean? God, what is your will for my life? What, how, did, how does this affect me today? When you begin to do those things and then do it, you will begin to experience the power 
and the want to behind the word of God. In fact, the word tells us that he gives us both the will and the ability to do his good pleasure. When you wake up in the morning and you say to yourself, I don't feel like it. Or when you go on the job and you've been having an issue with another employee and you say to yourself, I don't feel like it today. Or when there's a disagreement in your marriage, I don't feel like it. Talk to the hand. You know, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you at dinner time. Dinner time's at five o'clock. We'll see you then. I don't feel like it otherwise. I don't want to talk about it. No, that is not how God works. He gives you both the will and the ability to carry out his good pleasure. Amen. And so when you, when you're, when advancement, advancement, it comes, it's, it may start in your home and then on your job and then in your neighborhood, but God is always advancing and he will give you authority and power to carry it out. And so we see here that when they went to the next, they went to a city and they came upon a leader uh, named Sergius and he was hungry. He, he was, the Bible says this man had good sense and he was very respectful and he wanted to hear the good news that Paul and Barnabas were sharing. But then there was a man named Bar-Jesus uh, that tried to pervert it. Bar-Jesus, the word bar means follower of. He had pitched himself as a follower of Jesus, but, he was, but the way he tried to convince people was through trickery, deceit. Let me tell you something. Not everybody who claims to know Jesus is a follower of Jesus. They might be able to put up a good talk for a while, but, but give it, just give it some time, and, the, and you will realize they don't even know who Jesus is. And you got to be careful. Paul says here, or says here of him, that he was talking to Sergius, and Sergius wanted to hear the gospel, but this guy named Bar-Jesus kept saying, don't listen to Paul. What he's telling you is not right. It's not true. Talking about that authority, Paul, having been obedient, he turned right around to Bar-Jesus and said, from this moment forward, a dark cloud is going to come over you and people will have to lead you where you go for, for a period of time. And the Bible says a dark mist came over him. And he was begging for help and nobody would help him. Now, God loved Bar-Jesus. God loves him but he needed to make, have a change. He needed to apologize. He needed to repent. He needed to turn around. He needed to admit that he was nothing but a trickster, a charlatan, someone that was putting on a show, but there was nothing behind it. And the word says that Sergius immediately accepted Jesus, not because of, the, of, the, of that demonstration of God's power, but because of what he had heard about Jesus. Immediately, the word says, he accepted the Lord. And then we see here in verse 13, as they continue to go on and, and minister, advancement will challenge one's commitment. It will challenge one's commitment. We see here that they've been traveling, and then they went uh, to a place called Perga. And at Perga, John, the cousin of Barnabas, called it quits. And he went back to Jerusalem. I guess, again, it comes, it, it comes up the question, you, you always have to ask yourself, am I all in? Let me say it this way. You need to make a decision that you're all in and make it once and for all. 
Waking up Monday morning is not the time to say, am I still in? Going to work on Friday afternoon is not the time to say, am I still in? Whether you come to church, you know, waking up for church on Sunday morning is not the time to ask the question, am I still all in? You make the decision and you commit to it. Because as long as your feelings are predicting your decisions, it will always lead you down the wrong path. But it's when you say, you know what? Because at some point in Paul's life, and keep in mind, for those who are new in this and are still discovering what God's word says and the history of it, Paul was shipwrecked two times. He was stoned to death once. He was imprisoned multiple times. He was whipped two times, 39 stripes, beaten to an inch of his life. He was bitten by a snake, a venomous snake. He shook it off. And not one time did he consider asking the question, hmm, I wonder if I should keep going. He had, he had made a decision early on in his walk with God. He says, no matter what, I'm all in. No matter what, I'm not turning back. No matter what, I'm going to be the best man of God that God ever had. No matter what, I'm going to be the most beautiful woman of God that God ever saw. No matter what, every time I wake up or any time I roll over, I'm going to say to the enemy, the gig is up. I am on the winning side. I am all in every day, all day until I breathe my last. Can you say amen? In other words, that that needs to be the decision. But we see here that John Mark, he was still kind of, you know, he was young in the faith. He, he, uh, he, he was still kind of dealing with his own stuff. And so, you know, there could have been possible reasons. Number one, it could have been that it was unfamiliar territory. He had never been to these places before. Do you realize that when you commit to be all in, God will take you places that you've never been? To talk to people you've never seen, to say things you've never said. That's how advancement comes. That's how, that's how we grow. That's how we excel. It was also known that he had come from a wealthy family. In other words, he wasn't used to sleeping in the dirt. He wasn't used to using a rock as his pillow. He wasn't used to, uh, you know, not knowing where his next meal was coming from. He was used to a house full of servants and, 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 and it is every beck and call. We, the church, need to get over self. We need to remind ourselves it's not about me. Amen? When, you're up, when you are asked to do something or when God commissions you to do something that you don't feel like doing, you have to say to yourself, you know what? It's not about me. It's all about him. It's not, it's not my convenience that matters. What, what matters is the salvation of the lost. What matters is that other people would come to know Jesus like I know Jesus. And then thirdly, he, it could have been this reason, one of three reasons, the third one being this. Barnabas was his cousin. And maybe he didn't like the fact that Barnabas kind of stepped aside and let the newer convert, Paul, take the lead. There are going to be times in your life when you've been faithful doing what you're doing, and yet God will say, you know what, I'm going to use this individual to lead the way on this portion of the trip. And you, the mature believer, can step aside and say, God bless. So be it. Yeah, I should have got the promotion. Yeah, I should have been the one with holding the microphone. Yeah, I should have been the one whose name was on the flyer. Yeah, I should have uh, got the pay increase. But you know what? If this is who God is using if this, in this area of my life, then God bless. 
out of the mouth of children. Come on, people. My boys love it when I say that. Anyhow, and then advancements comes through the declaration of the good news. In verse 16, he was, Paul was invited to preach in one of these places, and he stood up and took a deep breath. He said, fellow Israelites, friends of God, he said, listen. And he began to share with them the good news. And when he shared with them the good news, the Bible says that the next, that the next a week later, the next church service, that almost the whole city showed up. When you just step out and say, God, I'm all in. I want to make advancements. I want to go far with you. I want to, I want to go places with you I've never been. I want to say things I've never done, said. I want to do things I've never done before, go places. Then you're going to see God will bless. God will uh, begin to open up doors of opportunity where you're going to see people come to Christ. We're going to see people's lives changed. And then the last point is this. I have the musicians come forward. Advancement is for everybody. Advancement is for everyone. In verse 47, it says, and we're on, Paul's telling the audience, he says, you know what? God told us this gospel is for everybody. Of course, this crowd, some of them didn't believe it. Some of them wouldn't receive it. He says, you know what? I've, we've spoken the word to you and you've rejected it. Now we're going to go on to the next. How many of you know not everybody's going to be happy about what you have to say? Not everybody's going to be re- happy about the fact that you're now one of those born-again believers, those Jesus followers, the ones that celebrate uh, Jesus Christ. There are going to be individuals that will say, you know what, I ain't got the time for that. Don't talk to me anymore. Does that mean you stop there? No, you just keep going. You just keep moving. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? How many of you say in your heart, God, I'm willing to stick my neck out. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to take the next step forward, to make that advance. And so this morning, maybe you're here and you have never accepted Jesus into your heart and life. You've never known him as your, as, as your friend. You've never known him as the one who forgave you of your sin, who's took your place. That's the first step of advancement you need to make. First things first. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to ask the whole audience if you'll pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for taking my place. Thank you for giving your all. I now accept you as my sacrifice, as the one who took my place, the one who makes me clean, the one who makes me pure. I want to be able to stand in the presence of a pure and holy God. Come into my heart. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was you, and this is your first step of advancement, if that was you and you prayed it for the first time, 
You're saying, Pastor Terry, I took that first step. Would you simply lift up a hand of faith and say, I took that first step? I see hands going up. If I can have some of my assistants over here to my left. If you're raising your hand right now, we want to celebrate with you. And we want to recognize you because now you're part of the family. Now you're part of uh, this family. Uh, you can't get rid of us now. Uh, we want to support you. We want to love you. We want to, we want to encourage you like you saw encouragement here in this, in this chapter that we read out of the book of Acts. And if you have your hand raised, would you just kind of, would you step out in the aisle and just come down and join me right now? Would you do that? And as they come forward, can we all just give God praise today? Whether you're in the balcony or on the main floor. Can we just praise God? Amen. You know what? This is what it's all about. It's, this is what eternity is at stake. And this is not their last step. This is just their first step. Amen. And so I want you, you may not know them by name, but I want you to put, fix their faces in your mind and begin to say, Lord, I'm going to pray for them now. I'm going to believe God. When I see them out in the marketplace or out in public, I'm going to congratulate them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to give them a, a, a word of encouragement because we are, they are now part of the family of God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. One more time. One more time. One more time. I'm going to ask you to walk over and meet my friend Roger over there to your left, and he's going to talk to you for just a moment before we dismiss. Just take right to your left there, my wife and Roger. And they're going to speak to you for a moment. I want to make another call this morning. This call is for you who believe, you who you've accepted Christ, you know Christ, but, but uh, you don't know what your purpose is. You're not sure what the next step is. Uh, you have an inkling, maybe since you've become born again, maybe be, since you've accepted Christ in your heart, you have these inklings and, and you kind of know something, but, but uh, you need affirmation. Uh, we want to pray with you and we want to be able to affirm what God says about you. Think, I thought about this this morning. Moses was a man who led almost three million Israelites out of Egypt. And yet Moses needed God to remind him that God knew him. Remember the time, I think it's like in around Acts, or not Acts, but the book of Exodus chapter 32, 33, where God said to Moses, Moses, I know you by name. Moses had been serving God all of his life, and yet Moses needed to hear, God knows me. God hasn't forgotten me. Moses was leading three million people, the biggest church the world's ever known. Three million people through the desert for 40 years, and yet God says, Moses, I know you. And that's what God wants to do for every one of us here this morning. Maybe you're here, you're, you're kind of lost. You're, you're a believer, and you, want to do, and you want to take that next step, but yet you feel lost. You don't know where that next step is and you just want someone to agree with you in prayer. If that is you this morning, would you just step out in the aisle and just come down and fill the front if that's you this morning? You're saying, you know what? I, I want to be like that Paul and Barnabas. I want to go out. I want to be uh, commissioned by God. I want to know that, 
that he has a plan for my life. And if that is you, and, and, and I can answer that call myself, but if that's you here this morning, you're saying, you know what, I just want someone to lay hands on me, someone to agree with me. If that is you, step out in the aisle right now, and I'll give you a moment to do that. Just come on forward and say, you know what, I want to know. You know what, I, I want to take the next step. I want to advance. I don't want to stay where I'm at. Amen? Anyone else? Isn't it fun to be a part of the family of God? We're all in this together. Yes, there's more coming. We're all in this together. To say, you know what? I want to know what is God's plan for my life? What has he created me for? What has he, what has he made me for? What's he crafted me for? If that's you here this morning, just come forward. Come on. Keep coming. Can we celebrate those who are saying, you know what, I want to take the next step. Let's celebrate with them right now. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come up and begin to encircle them and come. And I'm going to lay him and I'm going to pray with each one as well myself. But, but uh, as they come, the worship team is going to sing a song and, and take us to the altar. And, uh, and I want us just to, as we close, whether you came forward or you're in the, in the pew, just to say, Lord, I want to advance. God, I want to move forward. I don't want to stand still. I don't want to just be the same way I was yesterday or the day before. I want to go forward in Christ. And, and I want to be fearless about it. And if that's you here this morning, I, I just invite you to come. Lord, we thank you today for this time in the Word. So, Lord, we take the next step right now, dear God. We're taking that next step to say, Lord, commission us, send us, use us. Use my hands, use my feet, use my mouth, use my life, dear God, to advance the Word, to make known the goodness of God, to make known that Jesus is alive and well in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name.